welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Hoffman and Elkin Beltry. Now, guys, we are, we're there. We have made it through the first week of the NBA season, and uh, I just got to say, after last night's game, Zelkin, I'm feeling good about the direction of uh, our tanking, I mean, of how this season is going. Elkin, how you doing? I'm I'm doing good. Feeling good at the direction of the competitiveness our teams are showing. I love how we have a, a aptitude to develop our young talent and let them flourish, get as much playing time. That's smart. I, I think this is what you call front coach, smart coaching, smart front office management. There, letting the young guys play, Richard. I think you can't get any better than that. Yep. Uh, and Ethan, uh, there was a brawl in your game, uh, and you're starting four. Uh, Caleb Martin, um, you know, he tackled somebody. So, uh, uh, unfortunately, that means Jimmy Butler's going to have to play the four next game probably. How you feeling? I'm feeling just fine. I'm a little disappointed with some of the Heat's um, games so far. I just they haven't, they haven't inspired my uh, awe and affection, just my generic love and support. Um, but, yeah, um, I actually missed that part because I decided to, you know, Spent a little bit of time with my girlfriend, and we went for like a long walk, got Thai food, which was pretty good. And that's the beautiful thing about League Pass. Is I can go back and watch the second half today and understand why Caleb did what he did. And honestly, I haven't even been on Twitter, so I, I haven't even seen a clip of it. I have to do that while uh, while you're waxing poetically about the Pistons, and I don't care. Well, uh, today we're not here to necessarily wax poetic about the Pistons. In fact, yeah. uh, they might not even come up this episode because we are getting to our uh, season predictions. And yeah, we're one week in. Ethan and I were golfing last week uh, during regular pod recording time. And Elkin didn't want to do a solo pod, so what of it? We are here today. Um, and fellas, I'm just going to say my predictions I made pre-season. So they might look a little bit outdated. Now that we have, uh, you know, we're one week in and it's overreaction time. and uh, But, you know what, we're here to go ahead and we're going to just go through who the um, who we think are making the playoffs, the play-in in the East and the West, who we have for the season-long awards winners. Um, and, you know, guys, let's go ahead and start out East. Let's just, let's just kind of go through and unveil kind of who we have – in what spots in the Eastern Conference, and uh, see where we're the same, see where we differ um, out East. So uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and start this out uh, first year. So for me, I had, unfortunately, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers um, being the number one seed after this first week. Not looking great, but I'm not overreacting just yet. I do wish I knew that Joel Embiid uh, had a little bit of a, a foot thing going in. I, I just apparently wasn't. Paying close enough attention. Um, I have the Sixers as the one seed. Uh, Boston, Bucks, and Heat rounding out the home court advantage. Didn't know where to place the Nets, so I placed them fifth. Um, then the Cavs rounding out those that automatically make the playoffs. Have the Hawks and the Raptors as a seven and eight seed uh, in the play-in. I have both of them winning those play-in rounds over the Bulls and Wizards to round out the top ten. So that's what I have, fellas. Um... Elkin, what do your Eastern Conference rankings look like? Let me go ahead and pull those up. You can probably see them as I'm slowly changing my text color. So I have the Bucks first, 
in the Celtics, I still kind of believe in the Sixers. Still kind of, there's a lot of talent on that team. I feel like they're not going to be like the top two seeds, but I feel like with all that talent and giving Joel, like you're right, giving Joel some time, they're going to turn around. I have the Heat at four. I have the Hawks at five, then Raptors at six. Now, I didn't put asterisk next to any of the plans, but I had like Cavs seven, Knicks eight, and then the Wizards nine and Bulls ten. And then for me, it's going to be the Cavs and Knicks that are going to be the teams that make it, that get the playing spots. But the team that I left out that you had is is the Nets. Um and maybe I maybe I should have probably put them at least in a playing spot. I feel like it's another team that has a lot of talent, so that I feel like they can definitely turn it around. But that that's where I stand right now. But I think I feel like at the end of it, it's going to be Bucks and Celtics. Like even with everything the Celtics went through during the off season with their coach and everything, it seems like this team is just like I've watching their games. It seems like their chemistry is pretty good, and this they're just winning games. All right, Ethan, what do you have for your uh, for your standings? Well, I don't know if I've said it um, on pod yet enough, but the Sixers were like my pick for basically everything um, for this season. Not for a championship yet, necessarily, but I thought with the acquisition of the revitalized James Harden and then the acquisition of all the Maury Ball guys around him, I really thought that they'd just be a a regular season dynamo, and and they still might be. I think, you know, this little Joel um, sore start to the season – could really go away and all of a sudden they run off a bunch of wins. But Sixers were my number one seed, best record in the NBA, them or whoever my number one seed in the West is. Um, feeling was feeling really good about that in the season. I, I gave the Celtics a lot of respect um, despite some of their um, offseason problems. Just so much talent on that team. Jason Tatum just looks like he's on still on that same level that brought the Celtics to the finals. Uh, Milwaukee as a three, Cleveland at the four, Miami at the five, Brooklyn six, Toronto seven, Atlanta eight, Chicago and the Knicks in the nine and ten spots. And I would go with my seven and eight spots. Like I put them there because I think they're better. That's who I would have in my play. And yeah, I don't really, I think my, my list would not have a lot of shockers on it. You know, it's underrating Brooklyn a little bit in, in terms of like what a general NBA fan might think because of the star of talent. Um, but I, I really do feel like this is a pretty almost consensus kind of like where the power rankings would have had these teams um, to start a season. I mean, you didn't nearly underrate Brooklyn and as much as Elkin did. Uh, oh, just, I know. Uh, li- leaving them off. Like, like for me, I saw that. Like, I was like, Elkin, did you think that, like, uh, they're about to just blow it up? <laughs> like, by yeah, there's something I going think, wrong and we're I training think, everything? Or, I, I think they're going to get there. ready to blow it's it up. possibility. I think I'm going to be the extreme because I feel like with this team, it feels like it's one or the other. I feel like things are going to be like, all right, they're going to get middle of the pack, you know, not be like at the top of middle of the pack, or it's going to be like everything's going down in flames. So that's what I feel like. I'm going to be on the other end. I'm going to be a little bit pessimistic. But I will say this, because like, I know some people have been kind of getting on like Ben Simmons with – the way he's been starting, but I'm giving I'm giving Simmons some time to get acclimated because sitting out a full NBA season for me, I know it was voluntarily sitting out a full NBA season. I think you have to get used to playing back at NBA speed again. Now, will he be like a, a 20, 10, and 5 guy? Probably not, but he's probably going to – should be able to give you like 15, 15, 10, and 7 though at least. That's what I expect from him. No, now forgive me. I'm um, – I'm a – the biggest Ben Simmons stand that's ever existed. Absolutely love the man. I, I, 
I look at his first game back with his foul trouble and, and fouling out of the game as a little bit of an acclimation. And I do agree with you that there will be a process for him to really become the all-star version of Ben Simmons. But other than that, I, I've watched uh, both, like at least snippets of their games. And I've felt really comfortable with how he's moving on the court. Like he's, he's probing, but he, he's not looking to score. We know that. But he, I feel like he is probing really well and starting like good offensive flow for a team that otherwise is just a, isolation jump shooting team so I, I i feel really good about him i think by mid-season he's going to be looking like an all-star he might not make it but he'll be looking like one the to real quickly i'd like to ask you guys what do you all see in the wizards i know that you have them in the nine and ten but like i think the wizards are i know they're two and oh so this might look a little silly um given the Heinz the the information currently available, but I just don't see the Wizards as being any good whatsoever. I'm just a little surprised that you guys and I'm curious what you see in them. I mean, for for, for me, I just I, I see an owner who doesn't want to tank. There's just no desire. And we're talking about the last two spots in the play in. We're talking about the teams that are uh, as the season's winding down, trying to either find a way in or trying to find a way out. And I don't see them being a team trying to find a way out. Um, they're not good enough to uh, beat. I, I think the Hawks or the Raptors where I, where I have those two teams. And so I, I just I think that they're good enough to sneak in there. Um, the team that I like I, I admitted the Knicks here and I feel a little bit bad about that but if I was to put the Knicks in I think I'd take the Bulls out because the Bulls just have the like with the players they have on the roster the injury downside I mean you could argue the same thing with the Wizards but they just have too many bodies um, whereas the Bulls it gets thin real quick um, and so I think just because of ownership and all of those teams the Bulls the Wizards um, the Knicks all of them do want to win. Um, and so I guess maybe it's just a who's the healthiest um, is kind of what outlasts the others. And that, that's a real fair take. I, I look at the Wizards and I see a lot of players I like, but I don't see like the organization of the team. Like I kind of like a three big rotation as you know, long has been stapled of my podcasting life of Kuzma, Gafford and Perzingis. I kind of like the diversity they have there. But, like, for me, Monte Morris and Bradley Beal as creators don't do it enough for me. Bradley Beal obviously can make his own shot real well and has grown into being a pretty decent playmaker. Monte Morris, I think, is your, your stamp it on there. He helps people get a little bit better. But, like, for winning games and closing out, I just didn't see – I just don't see this team as having staying power enough to really win a lot. I mean, they're 2-0 and right now, so I can look a little silly, but – yeah, that was my, that's my opinion on why I would not put any faith in this team is I don't trust Will Barton, Bradley Beal, or Monte Morris to consistently take you over the top to end games, which is why they're, you know, ninth or 10th for you guys. But I see it as even more penalizing for them. One more thing here, just with like, Ethan, you and I have the Sixers, you know, number one, and it should be mentioned like sometimes the early season weird schedule because they want to have marquee matchups. Like they look look like they wanted to have the Sixers. Like you're playing the other top two seeds that everyone, either, but all of us have, right? They played the Celtics. They played Milwaukee. Um, it, it the one, it just like okay. Well, why did you lose lose the Spurs then? Like if they had if they were one and two, um, and they beat the Spurs, I think you'd be like, you know what? 
it's okay. You, you play the other two teams. It's early season. It's just that, that Spurs loss that makes go, wait a minute, what's going on here? Does this have, like, disaster potential? Um, I don't know. I, I think they'll turn it around. Um, and I think we all kind of believe that because we have them in our top, you know, our top three. Um, our top four are all kind of close there, Ethan. I think you are a little higher on Cleveland um, there, but we all have the Cavs. Well, actually, Elkin, you have the Cavs in the in the play-in there. Um, but Ethan, is, is it just that you believe in the you know Donovan Mitchell acquisition enough, and that and their willingness to really, really, really push in the regular season? Um, and Elkin, like, what makes you think that hey, this isn't even a like you're closer to me, so like I, you think you're just higher on the Hawks, but I'm just trying to gauge our our Cleveland disparity. My, the way I identify Cleveland is I think I would have been really close to here, assuming health, um, even without a Donovan Mitchell acquisition. This is about where this team was tracking for, and then it took a precipitous fall at the back end of the season when some Jared Allen injury um, really like held up a lot of their defense success. I don't look at anyone on this team as particularly injury-prone. J- Darius Garland would be getting closer to that than about anyone on this roster. And with his uh, missing to start the season, it does make me a little nervous. But I do look at this team as with, the, with Donovan Mitchell uh, gaining confidence with this team. These guys are going to go on a run at some point, and I just don't imagine – there's, I, I don't think there's a lot of teams in the NBA that have like the ability to really stifle you defensively, but also like have the explosive scores that the Cavs do with with Darius and uh, and Donovan. So like, I think it's like basically them and the Warriors are the two teams who could really put the clamps on you forever and ever, and also have the 50 point explosive guys. Like I think maybe the Bucks would be the other team I'd put in that category. It's like they can really lock down defensively and have that guy who can get hot and score, score, score. So like I just think they're going to go on a big run. Um, this is where they were tracking for last year until injuries got them. And I don't like to think about injuries when I'm doing preseason stuff. Elkin, you got Hawks over Cavs. What's what's kind of put you in that? I'm just, I'm just, I think I'm a little bit higher on the Hawks right now. Just I like just, I mean, Mitchell's fit well with the Cavs. I really like how Murray or the makeup of the Hawks team that we have, and there's a team that I know has proven to be able to win together, this Hawks team, given they did more of the winning in the playoffs than when they had the run back in 21. With the Cavs, I'm still kind of – something about them, I'm still not 100% sold on them, the way that their team is. They have a lot of they have a lot of pieces, and like watching Mitchell on these first few games – have been doing great. Even picking up the slack after Garland had that like freaky, like it's just like a unprecedented eye injury. Like after Garland had that, it was just like, all right, Mitchell took over, kind of like we did what he needed to do against the Bulls. Had an efficient game because sometimes with Mitchell, I know he does get to get shot happy. That happened a lot in Utah, but I feel like with the Cavs, he doesn't have to do it. He doesn't have to do that as much because he has pieces around him that can that can score and help him carrying that scoring load, but. I'm just higher on them, and I'm also a little bit higher on the Raptors right now, but I might be switching the Cavs up to six, though, from what I've seen. With the, it's so early sometimes that I'm just like, maybe it's nothing seeing these games. It's just nothing. When, when we get when we get through like the middle of the regular season, you have lower averages, and things will begin to like even out and go where they're supposed to go, but that's where I'm at right now. Uh, Ethan, I think I'd probably be in more of your camp if Ricky Rubio was healthy. 
throughout the whole year. But for me, just him, like, knowing he's not healthy makes me, you know, and probably won't be until, who knows, December, January, whenever. Like, just made me a little more hesitant there. Um, but overall, it seems like, you know, we were not too different in some areas, and I think we hit on the the main differences that we have. Do we want to get out west? Um, I, I would like to mention – I'd like to mention one more thing with the Cavs, like just as like a, another reason I trust their full season of success. I look at guys like Kevin Love, Robin Lopez, and now also Donovan Mitchell, who have all played on teams that had a season-long grind. I know the Cavs did it last year and kind of collapsed. I think the infusion of Mitchell as his veteran leadership, more so than even just his in great, great play, Ricky Rubio just staying on the bench, like even though like they replaced him last year after he got hurt with Karras. They got him back this year. Like, having his voice in the locker room, even while he's recovering, I look at that as, like, this is a team now that has the veterans to, like, keep the like keep them level-headed and not let them go too far astray. Like, all that coming into play. Yes, obviously, they'd like to have Ricky Rubio play, but having him just back in the locker room, I think, will help this team, like, make it through the 82 games. All right, let's get out west here. And I already know where my rankings are going to cause a stir here, but let me go ahead and just unveil. Um, so for me, here's what I got. I got the resurgence of the return from health, uh, Clippers and Nuggets, top two seeds. Then I got the Grizzlies and Warriors rounding out the home court advantage. Warriors were kind of in this spot last year, uh, you know, give or take a couple games. I think it will be close um, in the middle pack. I have the Wolves and Mavs uh, rounding out the... You know, five six for sure making the playoffs. Um, then I have uh, the Pelicans um, and the Lakers. I have the Pelicans again, so I got to figure out what happened there. I think it's probably had Portland Trailblazers as nine. I think I just mistyped it. Uh, and then the Kings uh, rounding out the ten. I'm gonna have to verify what I have here um, for number nine though, because I feel like that's oh yeah, you know what? That's not the case. I know what happened. The seven seed is not the Pelicans. The seven seed is the Suns, and that was the thing that was going to be causing an issue for people. I got the Phoenix Suns in the play-in, um, and you you know my my we had this discussion back when we talked about the Suns in the, in the preview. I just think that there is some disaster potential uh, for this team, and I I just look at it and it's like, well, you know, what are we doing with Jay Crowder? And I guess I just got to see the Jay Crowder trade. We mentioned that last time. But until I see it, I just think that this team is getting is going to be struggling. All it takes is a Cam Johnson injury, and we are toast. Um, we're gonna have, we're not gonna know where to go. And I just think that this team is on a little bit of a downslide. And the other teams in the West have just gotten that much better. So um, that's what I have. Okay, um, where are you at? Uh, with me, I think. Let me see. I had it where I want to go ahead and make this darker for you guys to see. Um, my I had Nuggets and then Warriors. I'm a little bit higher on the Warriors this this regular season. I think some of the young guys are going to develop a little bit more, so they're they're able to supplement those regular season minutes. I had Nuggets first, just kind of like I think we talked about it when we did like a little bit of talked about them before, just adding the pieces that. Yeah, Jokic would uh, I think he had a 48 win team last year with missing like two other major pieces, and you add those other pieces. I think I'm very high on them. Clippers, I'm high on them as well. Even with what they're doing with sitting Leonard and Wall and easing them in, 
I think they're gonna it's gonna go well for them. I have the my Mavs going at four and then Suns at five. I do have Grizzlies at six, and those are like my for sure teams are making the playoffs. The Suns, I do not see them being a top five team or top four team, sorry, home court advantage team in the playoffs. I'm just this seems like a down year for them. And then I have the Wolves and Pelicans winning the play in, and I have Blazers and Lakers ringing up the rear. Just I would for me with the Lakers. I would change the ranking if they did a trade. Like, here's the thing. I feel like at this point, even if they don't get something super, super valuable for Westbrook, sometimes I feel like the chemistry, like him just being there is bringing down the chemistry. Like, even if even if they didn't play him, I feel like that's bringing down the chemistry. Like, it seems like they're not a good fit. I feel like it's a toxic environment for both parties. And I feel like the Lakers would play better. Like, I know we've, we've heard the packages. I mean, the infamous package that people go back to is Westbrook, two first. For Buddy Hill and Miles Turner. I'm like, obviously as a Pacers fan, give me those two first. But at the same time, the Lakers, it's not going to solve all your problems. You get a very good shooter in Buddy Hill. And hopefully Miles Turner is healthy. You get, he's a decent shooter for a big man, but a, a good rim protector. Perimeter defense is still going to be horrible. But I think it's going to be better than what you have with Westbrook. And that's how I view with them. Blazers, I love a little Dame uh, dropping 40 to remind us that he's still there. He can still do some damage. I love that friend. Pelicans, man, I can see the Pelicans getting a little bit frisky and try to get up to that six seed. Like, I can definitely see that. Like, if Zion gets back to where he needs to go, because I felt like when Zion was healthy, for me, he was a top 15 player, like all-NBA player, like at least 13. That's where I'm at. And if Ingram can be like a good number two, like, I like it for them. But that's where I'm at. What you, what you got over there, Ethan? Yeah, I, I think everyone knows I'm a big Nuggets guy for – for this regular season, feel great about the return of Murray and Porter. They're my number one seed. Uh, love the Clippers and all their depth and I think unique lineups. I would like them to maybe add one theoretical emergency big just in, for like a Nikola Jokic matchup, but that's for them to figure out. Um, Warriors going to be great. Just don't think they have as much for the regular season as the two teams ahead of them. Mavericks I have is the best team in the Southwest, and I would I would keep that going. Really disappointed that they're collapsing their first game of the season, um, but liked a lot of the things I saw. Uh, Minnesota at the five, I I think they're really solid. Rudy Gobert is going to sure up a lot of what's going on with them. Memphis um, takes a tiny step back just because regression exists. Phoenix I also have dropping down quite a bit. Um, I think they're still very solid. I don't I don't have them in the uh, collapse territory. Like I think the way Richard was described is maybe they'd fall off the face of the earth and like be even worse. But I just think it's that this is the, the the cost of being good in the West, and they don't have the depth to uh to be a top team right now. Still very good, but they don't have a top team without some depth pieces. And I would have them winning in the play-in to make the playoffs. And I have Portland. Um, I don't know where I'd have them six or seven or, or seven or eight um, when it comes down to it, if who wins the first game, but Portland will make the playoffs. There's a certain amount of money running on that anyway. And then um, Nola as a nine seed Lakers, um, not making the playoffs, but making the play in. So a couple things I felt like in our discussion about the um, Pacific division, Ethan, you were, you sounded much rosier on the Suns. What what happened? Just putting it on a on a page made us say actually yes, maybe not. <laughs> okay, yes, okay, precisely. Sounds good. Like I did this the other day when I was talking to some of my friends or one of my specifically one of my friends that lives in Minnesota, and he was like, "Where would you have the the wolves at?" And I was like, "Uh, five or six. 
And I started listing out the teams, and I realized I didn't say the Suns. And I was like, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is tough. Because, like, I remember having the like, specific conversations. Like, these four teams are a lot better and – or better, and I think we'll have better records. And then this team is the one I'm curious. And it was Memphis. And I was like, well, what a – wait a second. I didn't say the Suns, and I'm, I don't feel weird about it. So, like, that's, I think – it's just the t- the teams in the West are so much better. Like New Orleans is a good team, I think, and I don't have them above the like I have them very firmly as a nine. Like that's the problem. I look at this team. It's like, man, I want to put the Pelicans higher, but I would like to put the Mavs higher after some of the things I've seen uh, them do. Well, I'm gonna have to drop some some teams down. You mentioned maybe the Grizzlies have some regression, but they missed so many games of Jaw out last year that well, maybe the regression should should go in the other direction because of just having extra health. I don't know. Um, I just, I look at this Western Conference, I say, this is so deep. And I have the Lakers both ahead of where you do because I just have baked in, like Elkin is saying, like a trade is going to happen at some point in time. They said that they're not going to make a trade until, you know, uh, Thanksgiving. And I look at that and I'm like, ooh, you had better make a trade before then. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're likely to be, you know, already out of the playoff race if you don't if you don't do something quick you're already trying to bring in Mo Harkless as if that's going to shoot the uh sorry fix the shooting problem that they have on this team and it's just this the west is going to be incredibly difficult and it just feels like we're waiting for all right well what's the injury that's going to cause a team to slide and that's the thing that pushes a team up like on Zach Lowe's podcasts, he's been saying, he's been talking about like how, you know, executives in either conference, but especially out here in the West, it's like the, oh man, you know, this team might make the play in. Oh, there's no way that we're going to make the play in because look, you know, look how much we've improved. We brought in, you know, we brought Zion back. We've, we've, we've made this addition. We've done this, but the West is just so much better. And I, I'm, I feel the only thing I really feel confident in is that the Warriors are a home court advantage. The Clippers, I like them as a top one or two seed. Uh, and I think that the Wolves are not going, like they're going to be in the playoffs, not the play-in. That's what I feel like especially confident in. The others, who knows? Well, just to, du- to double up on that, what team fell out of like the playoff hopefuls from last year? It's only Utah. And then when you're talking about teams that like like added to it, like Minnesota got better. Memphis should stay the same. Like the only team, only two teams that like were close to the play in and playoff race last year that took a step back are Utah and San Antonio, which currently are not looking that way just with the, the randomness of the NBA regular season. Um, but like yeah, like there's there's only there's only ten spots, and everyone tried to get better except for those two teams. Like we're talking about Sacramento, like they they've started off the own two, but like they they made moves to be better as well. Like everyone out here is trying to get better, and it's just to to degrees and how big the steps are. And like a team like Phoenix, a team like Portland, they're very you know there's one one of those big number ones, number two goes down. Like if if Dame gets hurt, the Blazers are back to Tanksville. If if Chris That's Paul why and I have Devin missing, if if Chris Paul and Devin Booker get hurt, the Suns don't have the infrastructure to sustain maybe for a game or two, maybe 10 games, but they don't have the infrastructure to sustain half a season without one of those two. They just don't have the depth. Like it's oddly enough, like, you know, Memphis did something really special last year. Um, 
playing with so many games without John ja Morant. But like even that's like well this year they're missing Jaron Jackson Jr., who I don't think is a more important player, but he covers more gaps on the defensive end of the court, which I think helps boost up wins more so than just scoring a lot of points sometimes. Phoenix was without like Chris Paul for a large stretch, but last season was such a weird season because you had the most play like because of the COVID uh, absences. You had players that had no business playing in the NBA, playing in the NBA, and by the time like he was missing, like you had you had games where you were facing those players, and then you're facing tanking teams down the stretch, and so I think you're able to sustain and hold a little bit better. But with the playoff race, at least initially, like I don't know if you can sustain in, in quite the same way uh, if there's any absence. So, yeah. I don't appreciate you having the Kings instead of the Blazers. Just saying. That's rude. That's wrong. It's it's literally just because, again, the ownership decisions of we need to make the play-in. And if there is a Dame ankle and the, and the Blazers look too hard at it and then look too hard at some games that are happening in France, I just – I assume that it's going to slowly – like there's all it takes it takes perfect health from the blazers for me to not like what what happens if nurk goes down what in the world are they doing at center there's no plan at center if nurk goes down right (laughs) if jeremy grant goes down well like are you're gonna have are you gonna extend him he's he's on an expiring right now like they haven't done the extension it's gonna be a lot of you know anthony simon's taking shots if dame goes like there's just a lot of ways that it can go wrong for Portland. Whereas for the Kings, yes, there's ways it can go wrong. They're the Kings. They, they usually go wrong, but they're, I think they're going to be trying still. Um, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe some wisdom will, you know, come into the Kings, but like they traded Halliburton away for two years of Sabonis. So like, let's not waste one of those. I don't know. It's, it's tough. That's my situation. That's kind of why I have the Blazers out. I understand why you both have the Blazers um, in. Um, I, I just thought of something, and it just, it just put chills down my spine. So I'm not thinking Damian Lillard injury. I'm, you bring up Jeremy Grant and all these other things. I, I think the real the real thing that would be just devastating for this specific team is if theoretically an Anthony Simons com- combined with like a Nurkic injury, if those two guys went down, what what do the Blazers then do? Okay, Anthony Simons is clearly the future. Nurkic has signed up for a long time, um, but l- less I think less uh, integral part of the future. If those two guys were to get hurt early in the season. And Jeremy Grant's an expiring. I would see a scenario where that that is the most tanktastic of the trigger pulls because Jeremy Grant gets traded, Josh Hart gets traded, who has a player option for next season, who would probably opt out. Those two guys out the door immediately for whatever they can get, and I think they both could fetch pretty decent sums, especially mid-season when people are like getting excited about their playoff chances. And then the scary, scary thing. If the if the Lakers did it right, holding off on getting a hold of uh, 
all those Pacer players, and they were to say Damian Lillard's looked healthy, but the Blazers are donezo, and they were to flop um, Westbrook over here and pick up Damian Lillard for those first round picks. That is terrifying to me, but it just came across my brain as the, the, the Blazers are an Anthony Simons missing six or 40 games of this season and Nurkic missing games from that being a very possible possibility. Well, let's move on. I don't want to Gosh, I'm so anymore. scared. <laughs> Let's let's move on to um, our awards. We're going to go award by award here, and we're going to see what we have. Again, I just want to denote I had these picks before the season. We're going to go MVP here. And um, to to start, uh, we all have different different uh, picks. I had Embiid, and don't like him here. Don't like hearing that his foot's sore. Um, don't love that. Uh, but where did you guys, uh, where'd you guys go? I went with Luca. I think if this is going to be the season, if he can get the Mavericks to, I think, a top four seed, a four seed especially, I think he's in good running to be MVP. That's pretty much my reasoning. And watch Jokic have another amazing year. People are going to be like, we're just tired of voting for the guy. That's, I mean, that's what's going to happen. All right, Ethan, how about you? Who do you got? I picked Stephen Curry, and here's my reasoning for it. I think Stephen Curry's prime for a great season. I don't think Jokic can win again, and I think he'll be probably the deserving MVP based on how I feel about the Nuggets. Um, the reason I didn't pick Embiid, Richard, I had the Sixers as a number one seed as well. Like, very good team. I think they're going to be great. But I looked at this year as James Harden was going to take a little bit more of a step into carrying this team for the regular season, saving Joel's legs so he doesn't have these little random goofy injuries building up by postseason. That's the way I viewed the Sixers' success, is that Joel Embiid was still going to be fantastic. He's still going to do a lot of good stuff. He's going to help anchor that defense, but that James Harden, surrounded by the other Moriites, would help uh, would help that um, 76ers season be a regular season success. And I, I just think if Luka was, was a really good pick, I would be close to him. But I think if Stephen Curry can put together an MVP quality season, um, maybe only being edged out, by the crazy man Nikola Jokic that Stephen Curry would get one more MVP as a thank you for everything you've done you won the championship this feels right kind of award yeah I I just I just thought hey if we're close like you know I have the Sixers as the one seed the way they did it like the 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 narrative push would be there uh he got beat out twice you know it's his time like I and like I had the Clippers out west, but let's be honest, that's going to be more of like a whole team, like entity, not a single player dragging them. And Kawhi's so, already missed a game for rest. Paul yeah. George is going to do some of that at some point. Paul George is also not the kind of guy to put up those stats. He did one year in OKC. Other than that, he's very much a I, I help the whole team win, but I don't compile that many stats kind of guy. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and get to our rookie of the year picks. Um, I decided to not go. Um, Homer, and we are all thinking, or at least before the season, Paolo Bancaro. Now, yeah. I think, uh, you know, just the amount of leeway he's going to get, it just, the volume is going to be there. Um, the other contenders are, uh, you know, well, people from, from our teams. Uh, Elkin Matherin, obviously off to a blazing start. Jaden Ivey's looked looked good in, in, in spurts, um, and 
Uh, you know, you, you look around and think to yourself, well, you know, no Chet's, you know, Chet's not there. Maybe Keegan Murray um, will, you know, if the Kings make some sort of push uh, in, into the into the playoffs and he's playing well as part of it, okay, well, maybe he gets us some love there like the teams that were close to the playoffs last year, um, you know, kind of kind of got, you know, those rookies got, got some extra love there too. But it just seems that he's going to put up, Powell's going to put up the, number, the counting stats um, and he's going to have, at, you know, at least a couple of, oh, wow, that was awesome plays um, a game. Uh, anything else you guys have to add to the Paolo picks that we all have? If the efficiency stays the way it is, I mean, obviously it's two games into the season. I'm not making judgment calls on Paolo Bancaro's three games into the season for the Magic. Um, if his efficiency stay subpar, which they are right now, like you shoot like 41% from the field, 23 from three, I don't expect that to be what he ends up at. But if those efficiencies stay like that, and Jaden Ivey, Matherin, or Keegan Murray are a little less statistically impressive gross-wise, but have efficiencies and play for, I would think, all those guys, other than maybe the Pacers playing for a better, a higher wins team. That's where it will be interesting. Um, I really like Benedict Matherin, though. That's a guy who I am signing up and buying any stock that's available. It, the only issue is, like, last year that was a knock against Cade. Like, oh, he's with, he's inefficient, and these other guys are inefficient. And it's like, well, Cade had the role that was uh, a bit, like, it was him, right? And for Paolo, like, he's the guy taking on the, you know, the main brunt work. And so his efficiency is naturally going to be a little bit lower. Like, you got Halliburton setting Matherin up to take much higher quality shots. You know, you have Cade setting Ivy up, or Ivy getting... Uh, these transition looks to the rim because he's just faster than everyone, right? Or Keegan Murray coming off of uh, Sabonis, um, uh, you know, passes, you know, out, out of split cuts, and you know Murray hits. So like, they're they're all of them should have better percentages. I still feel is like it was a knock last year, so I just don't see why. I mean, the voters are inconsistent year to year, so maybe that's just the case. Who knows? I was thinking, even though I know that's why Cade didn't have as much consideration, not to mention a few missed games, but Barnes missed some games too, so maybe I'm just misremembering that. But Jalen Green got zero love because he was inefficient, even though he put up some decent counting stats, and that's kind of the way I was looking, like seeing it. So like I'm like, ah, you know, like I know Scotty Barnes and Cade were so impressive that it wouldn't really matter, but if it does matter because there's several rookies doing some stuff, I think this year it could be a little bit more. Um, a little bit more evident. All right, let's go ahead and head on over to our defensive player of the year. Um, it's basically the uh, you know the usual suspects here, um, save for maybe not mentioning Draymond. Um, Ethan, you got Bam. I get it. I understand. I have Rudy Gobert and Elkin. You have Giannis. Um, uh, I think it just prefer you know just. What do we think the voters are going to appreciate? Do, do, do the voters say to themselves, you know, man, look, look at how, how, how good um, the uh, Wol Timberwolves are in the regular season and, you know, getting Rudy Gobert, wow, that really helped them in their defense. Uh, is it, hey, look how active Bam is and, and what he allows them to do. And, uh, or Giannis is just awesome and great. Uh, it, it just... Who plays, like last year, no one played enough games. Like if any of these guys play enough games, they probably win over Marcus Smart. 
So why is Marcus Smart not in consideration? It's almost like he never should have been. Yeah, but well, it it is. I said I said the quiet thing out loud. I'm sorry. Well, it's fine. Um, anything you want to? I mean, this just kind of seems boilerplate. There, um, all of these guys are going to be making as long as you know, assuming health, they're making first or second team, um, all defense. So, yeah, most improved. Here's where things get a little weird, I assume. Uh, most improved player. Uh, we've got some different uh, different things. I have Tyrese Maxey. I thought he I saw him getting some love already heading into the season. And I thought that's all it takes for a, an award like this that's weird. Um, Ethan, you went Keldon Johnson, a spur. Uh, I think a different spur is probably going to uh, get it. But, you know, who could be different from week to week. And Elkin, you have my favorite pick. You have Cade Cunningham. I love it. Uh, Elkin, I'm going to give you the floor here because – Please. <laughs> is this, I mean, I think of it, first of all, based on what we saw. You ever remember how he started last year and people were like, inefficient, yada, yada, yada. I feel like with him already, from what I've seen the games and been able to watch, of him, amazingly enough, been able to watch some Pistons footage, he's a guy where, like, I think he's primed. I think beginning the second season, he's on the floor. I think he has better pieces around him, too, if they put the right rotations. It depends on the rotations. I think you and I, Richard, kind of talked about that beforehand, like, I mean, it kind of it kind of depends who's who's around him. But if you have the right people, I like him as a as a candidate. I think it just bothers me that a lot of times this award is based on who had the biggest scoring jump. And then I can see a guy like Maxi having a big jump, having a big impact. Which sometimes I'm like, man, Maxi feels like he's the second best player on the Sixers, anyways. But that's my only, that's my only concern. But if Cade like if Cade's overall game just improves and across the board we see him just improve, which I think he will. I think he's, for me, he was an easy candidate to pick for most improved player. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, Ethan, I mean, is it is it just, hey, let's go ahead, like, uh, opportunities has, have opened up for the Spurs. Let's go for who I think is the best Spur. Is that that's why you, you kind of went Keldon? I think it's where I settled in. Um, I also looked at Keldon as a guy who has some growth to do on the defensive end. While he's a solid defender, I think playing for the Spurs this year, um, he'll have an opportunity to show a little bit even more diversity in who he can guard. I imagine all his statistics are just going to take a big jump. I mean, last year he took five threes a game. Early in the season, he's taken eight. He's still shooting 40% early in, on the season. Like, more or less, I think Keldon Johnson's really, really good. Um, and after seeing everyone else get paid a little more than Keldon Johnson in these uh, rookie extensions... Um, specifically one DeAndre Hunter. I just feel like Keldon Johnson has a lot to go out and prove, and I think he's just going to make the Spurs like look like a good landing spot again. Um, I've him and Vassell. Vassell, if he continues what he's doing, I 100% understand why people would would flock to him, as Keldon obviously has shown a little bit more to date. Um, I do think some of the defensive versatility that Johnson has an opportunity to show could be should be in consideration. It's funny when you, when you mentioned that Elkin talking about developing um, defensively as well as something that doesn't get any consideration. I look at a guy like John Collins and missed by so much of the league is not only has he just become a really good scorer and really good role piece for everyone, roller, shooter, etc. That guy's a solid quality defensive player now. Like he's not a sieve. And the fact that he has never been mentioned in like a most improved thing is kind of crazy. Cause he went from not that good to, Oh, he can score a lot to, Oh, he can score and defend like just completely 
ignored because he plays for the Hawks, apparently. I think it's because he's also in a lot of trading sessions. Hey, they're looking to trade him. They're looking to get rid of him. And it's so – if, 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 oh if he could play for the Blazers, I'd have a heart attack. Like, I mean, obviously, I, I, I feel like I allow myself into the, oh, my goodness, what if for the Blazers, because, like, I'm a I'm a passionate fan with moving to the area. But, my goodness, I, I, I hope John Collins goes somewhere where he's appreciated, because Trey Young just does not appreciate that man. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's go ahead and get to the next one, uh, six man of the year. And uh, for, for this one, um, also a weird award, right? It's going to come down to, hey, is the person I've selected going to actually play off the bench enough? I picked Jordan Poole. I think if he plays off the bench enough, he's going to win it. But he might not. Who knows? Um, I I assume, you know, with with what I assume the Warriors uh, line up to be kind of throughout the, um, uh, you know, throughout the whole thing, I look and say, well, he hasn't started the first two games. If he's a six man, truly, if if like if, assuming health for, uh, you know, Clay and and Steph, I think I think that's a winner. But you know, maybe maybe Clay misses some games because they're trying to load manage. Maybe Steph misses a portion of the season, and all of a sudden the winner now is not no longer eligible. So uh, th- that's who I have. Um, and Ethan, where'd you go? I went with Bones Highland. Um, I thought he, I think he'd be a really fun guard for the the Nuggets Nuggets to utilize, and with the increased role with Monte Morris being gone, I know Monte started a lot of games last year, but had been in that like really stable backup role for Denver for the last few years. I just you know I couldn't think of anyone specifically. Um, Jordan Poole was like the guy I thought of, obviously. But honestly, you talk about the health of other guards on the Warriors. If I need to worry about Jordan Poole's health, he apparently is the in danger every day when he goes to work. So I would, I would, I wouldn't rule that out as well. But Bones Highland, I just like him. He's fun, and I'm rooting for him to have a really successful season. Um, just this just kind of carries on with my Nuggets are great preseason thoughts, um, and. I think if their benches to be really successful, he's going to be a, a strong part of it. I love Bones um, for sure. Uh, Elkin, an issue that I think you're going to have with with your um, uh, Homer pick is uh, there's going to come a point in the season where uh, he, the people blocking his way to the starting lineup are no longer going to be on the team. But you got Ben Math. Uh, oh, talk to us. Talk oh. to us. If if things don't change, which we know they're going to change. For me, he seems like an obvious pick if he could keep dropping this uh, production, which I know is not sustainable at all. Uh, but I anticipate at some point in the next few months, gentlemen, we'll have a trade that will shake up the lineup that will cause said, said Ben Matt to move to the starting lineup and featured a more dominant role given. I think last night he played 31 minutes while Buddy Hill played 16 minutes. I think it was something like that. And I mean, I think the Pacers have been doing that where I think they're kind of just showing enough of Buddy Hill to say, hey, he can still play. He's here for the taking, and which is what you gotta do. You gotta you gotta make it look lucrative, look look appetizing, and I'm gonna keep my pick though. I gotta get I gotta get myself one homer pick. I just wanted to get one homer pick out there. That's why. But I know the truth. Don't worry, Richard. Like as soon as I put that, I was like, I know what's gonna happen. It's eventual, and I mean it makes sense for the Pacers too. Like if you have a talent like that, you gotta let him run. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, coach of the year. Um. Obviously, looking at where 
uh, things have finished with your predictions as the number one seed out um, uh, out west. Both of you decided to go to Denver. Um, and for me, I went number one, my number one pick out west, which was the uh, Clippers. I just thought for, for me, if we're not going to, you know, if, if they're not really going to have a um, MVP candidate, right, for, for the reasons like we mentioned already, uh, I feel like Ty Lue's get some love. Um, I think that he'll probably get a bit of the credit for holding it together with all the missed games that they're going to have. But they, they have they have wonderful depth there. Um, and for you guys, I just, you got, uh, you know, uh, Michael Malone. Uh, and I just wonder if, like, hey, are they going to give it to him? Or would they say, ah, you know, Jokic was, you know, the reason. Um, but hey, if you're the number one, if you're the number one seed, flip a coin. Usually, it's that it could be that guy. Yeah, especially if it's your first time doing it. Like Greg Popovich does, didn't win as many coaches the years as he probably deserved over his time frame. I don't think I don't think Eric Spolster's ever won a coach of the year. Um, best coaches don't necessarily win, and I think Ty Lue is in that uh, small circle of really good best coaches in the NBA. I think Mike Malone's a really good coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to hate on the man I picked to win coach of the year, but um, I look at them like, yeah, they're, if they're going to be as successful as I think they can be this year, um, Jokic isn't going to get MVP. I don't think, I think Mike Malone, who has been, you know, helping the nuggets grow, helping them be a better organization. I look at them, him is finally getting his like, you know, Oh, you've done it for three or four seasons. Here you go. Thank you so much. I think we all might be messing up here, though, because, like, Sp- Eric Spolstra taking the Miami Heat where he did last year, and he didn't he didn't win it. And it, so it looks like it's probably, like, the team, I mean, his, in the past few years at least, like, you know, we had Tibbs winning it because, oh, we, we expected this team to be trash, and then they weren't. Um, or we expected this team to take a step back, and then they weren't. Um, and so, who knows, maybe it's a team... Maybe Phoenix, if like like they don't, if they aren't terrible, right? Maybe oh well, let's give it to you know, Monty or something. I don't know. Maybe they. I I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong in terms of if we're trying to guess who, who's gonna win. You might be a hundred percent on. Like Ty Lue, I think would actually be the exacto on your on that philosophy because he would have the ensemble cast helping the team be successful. That is very reminiscent of the Miami Heat of last year. Um. Like, I just don't know what team I'm seeing. Like, again, like we talked about with so many teams vying for the play-in and wanting to be good and being offended by other people saying, oh, you guys are probably a play-in team. So many teams have a high opinion of themselves and the media has a high opinion. Like, half the team, half the media likes this team. Half the media likes that team. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a consensus. No one thought this was coming team this year with so many teams trying. You're right. And, you know, Monty Williams won last year, so I could be, it's, you know. I guess I, I guess I'm wrong there. So, anyways, uh, our favorite. We didn't even do regular executive of the year. We just did the anti-executive of the year. And uh, fellas, I'm just gonna assume that we are. Uh, we're gonna go with the defending champion of this award, Rob Polinka. Uh, already, already off to a, a rousing start here uh, with with all of the awful shooting uh, that was on display in the Lakers games. My goodness, uh, can there be anyone else? I don't think so. No, there no can't. Way. Undisputed. Oh. I think undisputed. And he got an extension. He got the An bag. Extension too. 
he got the bag, so he's doing something right. Ah, just it's how can you do what you've done to LeBron to the last couple of years of of you know LeBron James's somehow extended prime? Like what he's done is unforgivable, to be honest. And I think at this point, maybe gotta, he's the one who. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, maybe he's the one who's extending LeBron James' prime because he's made, putting so much pressure on him to be good. <laughs> like, or maybe LeBron James hear, has no choice but to be good. What I hear, like, the most, like, random conspiracy theory that maybe he's making the team bad on purpose so LeBron demands a trade. That's what he's doing. He can get LeBron out of there and get some pieces. LeBron and AD out of there and get some pieces in return. LeBron can't be traded this year. It's it's Next year. He's, he's, worked, he's, worked, he's worked himself into... Zero flexibility. Yeah, can't, can't do it. Let's just get, He's at least winning this award this year for sure. Yeah, let's get LeBron back in Cleveland. One last run before it's all said and done. One last run. There's there's, there's one ominous disaster scenario that might make that might save save Rob Palenka's public image, and I hope it doesn't happen. Just my yeah, I guess I, Dame Dame to L.A. I guess that would that would be the thing that allows him to to somehow uh, fall backward into. Not winning this award. It's called Laker Privilege. <laughs>